This is the Past is Here podcast, coming to you on Monday, November 5th, 2018. Today's interview is with John and Maggie. In the first half, John will interview his wife, and then I will take over in the second half. I will also mention that this interview took place during the summer, and because of that, the need for air conditioning was essential and is part of the background noise. Now, with that being said, on to the interview. Where did you grow up? Where did I grow up? In England, in a place called Salford, which is basically attached to Manchester. Uh, is he okay? Yeah. Uh, what was it like growing up in your town? What was it like? Uh, it was... A rather dirty town, lots of smoke. Uh, had fog. fog. Fog, yes. Uh, they used to walk in front of the buses with with the flashlights. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> when okay. it was foggy, and uh, I used to like Salford, though. I had friends there, and we had a good time. Mm-hmm when we were kids, so and I was nearly always the tallest one. Oh yeah? Oh, I think always, yeah. That's excellent. <laughs> Am I allowed to ask one question that isn't on there? Maggie, I was wondering, do you remember, do you remember um, what uh, the local bakery or the grocery store you would go to or shop at? Yeah, I remember yeah. both of them. You do? Do you remember their names at all? or? The name? Yeah, the name. Well, the, the, the gro- green grocery was very good. Uh, his, his name was Mr. Green. Mr. Green, okay. <laughs> and he sold green grocers and so did his sister. So. <laughs> That's excellent, okay. Bakery? Pardon? Bakery? Oh, bakery was called Nuances and it was a great bakery. Oh, my. Mm. They, they sold wonderful things. <laughs> Every time I was ill, which I was quite a lot, with the uh, coughs and colds and things, I was going to say what I was doing. <laughs> you were in the bakery. You were in the bakery. You were sick. Yeah. You, you went my, to the bakery. And then my mother would buy me the best piece of bakery she could and that started me on the road to recovery. Oh, that's lovely. <laughs> that's lovely. Okay, you go next, John. What was your career? My career was uh, uh, in the library. I was a librarian for, you know, for a few years. I never did uh, all, all, the, uh, all the exams for, for that, but uh, I did like it. And what else did I do? <laughs> were, were you, did you work in the library in, uh, in England or is that here in Canada? In England, I in worked England. in the library. Okay. And uh, it, was a, it was a nice library on Cemetery Road. Oh, okay. <laughs> and and w- was that in the town you grew up in? Yes. Okay. okay. Cemetery Road. Yeah, we... Uh, we used to get out of the library about 8.30 and uh, we were always a bit scared because it was cemetery. One night we actually, we weren't really old enough to go in the pub, but we went in the pub because we were super scared. <laughs> you never knew who was on the road. <laughs> I don't know. So. I was always pretty tall, and uh, I enjoyed the library very much. I wanted to be in the library here, but I got married and didn't work in the library. Okay. Hmm. 
And that was your favorite moment, was it? What, darling? What are your favorite moments while working there? You play, you the library? Yeah. yeah. Did you have favorite moments you oh, favorite you enjoyed? Moments, yeah. Yeah. Well, my, my boss was, was a very nice man. Tell about the truck. The truck? You had to go to a place with a suitcase, remember? And you got this for the dog. He said it was for the you have to hear it. Yes. Go ahead. He, my, my boss had, had, had a dog and he said that I was going to get meat for the dog once a week. It wasn't meat for the dog, it was meat for him and his wife. Oh. <laughs> it was what called pluck. He had, <coughs> he had been uh, in, in, the Navy, in the army in France during the First World War and told me that the planes were made out of chewing gum. <laughs> they were pretty lousy planes. But uh, he was a very, very nice boss and very good boss, Mr. Agnew. That's yeah. lovely. <laughs> did you, uh, when, uh, another moment at the library, um, did were there a lot of kids that would go there? Like, would you help children find books, or? Yeah, I would help them, and I would help a lot of old ladies find books, too. Is that right? Okay. <laughs> yeah, they used to come in, and they used to put half a crown in my hand, and I used to have to try and slide it back. Oh. <laughs> that's, that's, that's very honest of you. That's very, very honest. I didn't always manage it, but I did most of the time. Uh, I love it. They were very nice people on Cemetery Road. On Cemetery Road. Okay, perfect. What were some of the great life lessons, either hard or great? Hard life lessons. Yeah, either great life lessons or 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 hard life lessons. Hard. Yeah. Oh, what was the last one? Hard lesson. No, I I enjoyed the library. It was a great le lesson in the library. Mm -hmm. uh, the people were very nice, and and they asked questions, and I asked them questions, and. Uh, we really had a, a nice time at the library, and we we got uh, people that were were in the library, but came for the law sort sort of the locality. Okay, where was the library sort of a place of community in a way? Was it a community spot? Yeah, it was. In in a way, it was yes. They uh, they liked to, a lot of neighbors came to the library and so they, they could meet there quite well. Mm. And uh, we had a, a lady who had a baby and she, uh, the baby was very small, but we, uh, we managed to <laughs> manage the baby. <laughs> <laughs> she was a cute little thing. We did our best for our customers. We had a, a girl called Margaret working there as well as this Margaret. Oh, yeah. But her father didn't like her working in the library. He went to work in Southport. Ah, what, why, why didn't her father like her working? He didn't, didn't think he was good enough. Oh, okay. He thought he should have a better job than that. Right. So he took her away in a, few months so okay did you if I if I may ask I remember when I first met both of you um, I had uh, we had spoken about there was a uh, your time during the war um, was there any sort of even though during the war an awful time were there any moments that you found uh, you kind of found joy in and and sort of hard times at all well I found good times when I was evacuated to Lancaster. Okay. They walked us down the street and we, uh, we were the next two or the next one on, on the list. And uh, 
I lived with a very nice lady and gentleman and her mother in a very nice house in Lancaster. And uh, I enjoyed Lancaster very much. She was a what? She was a what? Pardon? Uh, what was she? A pastry cook or what was she? Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> she was a, a qualified master baker. Oh, well, okay. Uh, she used to work in the bakery at the top of the street, um, but then during the war she didn't work there. She she just kept me going, and the other girl that was evacuated to. Uh, Lancaster. Lancaster. We were both there, Joy and I. And uh, I don't know. I liked do, it. <laughs> do, you, do you remember what was her favorite or her the best sort of dish she would make or the best the best pastry she would make? Do you remember what that was? Oh my. She used to take make uh, pastries, as you said. Uh, any kind of pastry. She she was a fantastic baker, and uh, she used to send me up to the local bakery where she had worked, and uh, I was busy with getting the <laughs> the pastries and things. And she had a friend who was in the grocery business. So we were well fed for the beginning of the war. That's great. <laughs> what okay. with pastry and bake bakeries, and it was very good. And the gentleman of the house, I called Uncle Edwin, and he was a very nice man. He was. He worked in the office in, on the railroad, and he was always, I don't know, he was very good to us. I think they both missed having children, oh. and especially Uncle Edwin, as we called him, so I think he really did. So, so that, that that was a very nice moment. That was a that was a you liked your time there. Yes. Okay. I did. Wasn't too fussy on the girl that was there with me, but. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I awful. Oh, I know. It's worse. But she. Uh, she used to do a lot of uh, baking by herself. It didn't always turn out well. <laughs> so that's great. Okay. Were there uh, another question? Okay. Yeah. Um. I would have read the glasses. Oh, nice. What do you do for hobbies? What, where in Lancaster? Or here? Um, or anywhere? I, anywhere. Well, what were well, in England? We're in England. Knitting. Hmm? Knitting. You like knitting? What, yeah. what would you knit? I would knit uh, sweaters. Not very elaborate sweaters, but I would knit sweaters for me and sometimes for Joy, the, the girl that was evacuated with me. But uh, I don't think I was ever a great knitter. <laughs> but, uh, now, would you use wool or uh, what other fabrics? Would you knit with? Mostly wool if I could find it. Okay. Luckily, uh, the lady I was evacuated to, called her Auntie Lizzie, she had a few balls of wool, rows away, put away for you know a rainy day sort of. So I managed to get some of her raid. Why do I keep saying raid? Managed to get some of his well, some of her well. Oh, no. What is he doing now? No worries. He's going to look and see if he can find any wool, I bet. I bet he could be, yeah. <laughs> Did you, and um, and then, um, so uh, your hobbies now, did you take up, when you moved to Canada, did you pick up any other hobbies at all when, when you moved to Canada? I still knitted. You still knitted, yeah? Yeah. Okay. Uh, what else did I read? I do. I think I do some hobbies when I came to Canada. Oh, let's see this. Okay. I'm misreading this article right here. <laughs> okay. Right. Hello. Uh, hobbies? I'm in babies, I think. 
Not in Lancaster. No, in Lancaster. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he used to go long walks around town. Hmm? He used to go for long walks. Oh, yeah, in the country. We, oh, we really had lovely long walks in the countryside. There were still cows there and pigs and things like that. But uh, we eventually had to give them up. There was too many. We used to have to do what best I could, what best we could with the animals. And I liked them. That's perfect. What do you enjoy? What do you enjoy about this time of your life? What do you enjoy? Well, I enjoyed the countryside because. I'll read the question again. What do you, you enjoy, enjoy about, about like, this time of your life? So like right now. Right now. Oh, this yes. time. Yeah, this no. time. Yeah. What do I enjoy about this time? I enjoy just about everything I do. I get people coming round that we hadn't met for a long time. And, and, uh, what was that? Antiques. Antiques. Not so many antiques when I was in Lancaster. You're here. But now. here, yeah, mm -hmm. I do Where have now? antiques now. I love antiques. And uh, I love to get, love to get uh, all different kinds, not just one kind of antique, just a good, good amount. <laughs> All types of antiques, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. That's lovely. Um, well, uh, John, if you'd like, would you like to take over if you sort of to answer the questions for, for, for sort of your journey as well? Thank you, Maggie. I appreciate that. Well, we're going to go, we're going to stay in England right now. We'll start off again with England, I think. And where did I grow up? I was born in Toronto. And my mother took my three sisters and I to Wales and, uh, when I was seven. We lived in Wales. And then we went from Wales to across England to Buckinghamshire. And then we ended up in Salford. And my father was a, my dad, I should say, my stepdad, mm -hmm. was a master painter. And he was busy, he worked on ships, he did all the pencil lines on the side of the boat. Really? Okay. Yeah. Great. So that was one of the, that was what he did and I had some exciting well exciting times because on one of the ships he was and this sticks in my mind and the name of the ship was called the Fyodor Linky. He okay. was a Russian minesweeper uh, Russian icebreaker. Oh. And my dad was painting the captain, the plimsoll line on there and also doing the captain's cabin. Well the cooks on that boat were women, okay, and they were never allowed ashore. Any of the crew was never allowed ashore. Oh my gosh! Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, the captain introduced vodka to my dad, and I will always remember him coming home on Manchester Ship Canal. This is in Salford. <clears throat> That's where I worked on the railway, and. I can see him now, there was, the locks were not quite closed, there was about a foot between open, Okay. and he's got a bike, Okay. and he's as drunk as a skunk, honestly, and he's got the bike in his hand and he jumps across that foot. I couldn't even, I was terrified, <laughs> I couldn't even cross over that foot, never mind anything else. And then when he got home, mother really told him off, but he didn't know it was vodka. Oh. He'd been, he never had it before. Right. And that's all that they drank, for peace sake. So that was that was one item that uh, sticks in my mind about my growing up. My growing up, oh dear, I delivered papers in the morning at six o'clock, and I would deliver papers at night time. I delivered, sold papers outside the pub in yeah, Salford. I, I used to see you selling papers out there, but I didn't know you. Yeah, so <laughs> outside of Salford, outside of the pub, and, uh, that's what I used to do, and 
get up at six o'clock in the morning and then I go to school and then uh, I didn't have, my family was pretty sick, okay? My mother was bedridden, my sister was bedridden. My eldest sister was, was a blue baby and mother had a heart attack problems and during that time they believed rest was the only thing. Okay. Stay in bed. You don't get up, you don't walk. Right. So I was there cook and bottle washing for from the age of what, fourteen? No, no less than that because I still go to school. So you were taking care of pretty much your whole family my, at, from yeah. the age of fourteen. Actually younger than that, but yeah, 14 was six in my mind. But wow. I went to work when I was 14. I left school on a Wednesday. I couldn't even remember the day. I left school on a Wednesday and I started working at a butcher shop on the Thursday. How <laughs> 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 about that? Yeah. Anyway, the opportunity came for me to go on the rail, go down and work on the railway. It's called Bold Wheel. And believe it or not, Bold Wheel was one side and Cemetery Road was the other side. Uh, a big croft and the Indian, not the Indian, the, the um, gypsies used to live there, have the caravans there. Oh, well, okay. they, and it was not, well, it wasn't law, was it? Your dad would know, he was a police inspector. Uh, the gypsies that were in Memorial Road, were they there illegally? Uh, sort of semi. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, I remember going down Memorial Road. I'm riding a bike, and like an idiot, there's a horse in the road. And I said, get up! Well, unfortunately, he got up, the rail wire, the tie where was tied to the rail, was in between my two wheels. Oh. And I just went over the top, split my eye open, and all that stuff. Well, I, that was the thrill of my life. I'm jumping ahead of myself no, here. that's okay. The thing is, uh, I think my next question is what was the level of my job, and that was the railway. I always, ha always has been, always will be. You, you love the railway. What was it about the railway you loved? The thrill of the power of the engine. You could feel the motion between un under your feet, and watching me. Well, one of the things we used to go to uh, a, com a company called Kotals, and they dealt they dealt in sulfur. They did a lot of and we took wagons of sulfur to them. And this is during the war, we had canvases down, and we could cut down the light in the cabin, and, and on the cab was to have canvas down the sides. Well, every so often, the driver would look through the window and he would see the sparks from the engine had set the fire on the wagon, on the wagons of, one of the wagons of uh, sulfur, uh -huh. because they're open and they're not, they're not covered. <laughs> and all you can see is a blue flame. I had to get out and jump, didn't while the engine's going, the train's going, I had to jump out from wagon to wagon and get a show and, and smother the flame. Oh my God. Oh, <laughs> I, I, you're, I, you're a hero. That's oh, amazing. Oh, hey, I tell you, it was something else. How did you smother uh, the sulfur? Well, what did you use? I used uh, a shovel. You used a shovel? Just a shovel and smothered it with, with sulfur. Wow. Okay. And were you climbing on top or, or uh, along the side? Top on top of I was right on top of the sulfur. Unreal. Okay. Oh, uh, I tell this story, but that's something fierce. But anyway, <laughs> that was one of the things. But uh, I don't know how to explain it. We used this, what they call shunting over here. It's totally different because I worked over here. But we used to sort out the aim wagons for mm -hmm. various trains, mm -hmm. and what we did we called hit them up. So I was allowed to drive the engine, and we had a steam brake and the handle, and we have the shunter up there, and all he said is hit them up, so you open the throttle, and you get that engine dancing, and that, getting that thing rolling, and you put the brake down and watch it roll away. All of that involved, it's a 10 years, it's a 10 years apprenticeship. 10 years, you ten were? 10 wow. years apprenticeship. Okay. Okay, and then you had to do the, you had to know every single part of the engine, the whole shooting match. But no, that was the love of my life, and of course I met Margaret. And what I used to do, I bet you, <laughs> Sorry. I did the love of my life, the railway. <laughs> yeah, I used to, when we were going on one run, we were on the night shift, we had three shifts. When I was on the night shift and the mid-afternoon mid shift, I'd whistle, I'd whistle up, 
For Margaret. <laughs> oh, she's in the library. <laughs> oh, I tell you. But no, it was, um, and of course, the war was devastating. And I got evacuated to the same place as Margaret in Lancaster. Mm -hmm. But we never met in Lancaster. We never met there. No. But I, I was a boy, a typical boy. Mm -hmm. So I wore out too many clothes. <laughs> Tore the rear end out of my pants so often. <laughs> but um, and she was another wonderful, wonderful lady. She came up. She brought me home during the war, and during, and she told mother that if anything happened to them, she would adopt me. She would take care of me. Wow. Okay. I mean, that, that to me is, a, is unbelievable, but nevertheless, that's what we did. But it uh, wasn't pleasant. My, my dad, was <laughs> he went out during the, one, one of the times he went out during the uh, air raid, and he's got a dustbin lid, and he's getting the, the uh, red hot pieces of shrapnel red glowing and we're we're in a a brick shelter but prior to that the government came around and brought anderson shelters mm -hmm. and you know what they are mm -hmm. better well we were living in a <coughs> a house that was attached a row house mm -hmm. concrete backyard no bigger than this living room and he dropped one off there and my dad big, bustling hole, dug a hole, built the Anderson shelter, in the meantime hit the drain, okay, the shelter's all covered up with grass and shot down the hill. If you ever had an air raid or had to use it, you'd drown. Because <laughs> <laughs> you would fill it with water. Oh, wow. So, anyway, the government said, Oh, we made a mistake, we shouldn't send them. So they pulled them all up again. It took four men to pull out what my dad put in by himself. <laughs> oh, oh dear me, but we were in a brick shelter. They, they, they built a brick shelter with a concrete slab roof on it. <laughs> but no, I, uh, I noticed now, I, I think you had mentioned before, did you also work on on a uh, on a, a mining ship or demining ship is that uh, right? I was on a minesweeper. A minesweeper, pardon me. A yeah. minesweeper. Well, uh, that's another story. I, I gave. I, I was. I'm Canadian, mm -hmm. but when mother took us to England, I did not have a birth certificate. Mm -hmm. They didn't get it. So when I joined on the when I was on the railway, same thing. I was what they call deferred uh, operations. So I wasn't. I was not. Life subject to being called up. Two of us. We tried every way to get into, into the forces. Okay? Finally, and his name was Eric Ludlam, he and I went down, of all things, the um, kill. Was uh, the recruitment station? Or? Yeah, we were the recruitment station. Yeah, we, we always volunteered for the Black Watch. Oh, for the Black Watch? Oh, wow. Okay. For 21 years. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> but what happened is, Eric was of age, so, okay, he got taken in. He got, he got called in, and I'm waiting to get called in. So I said to my dad, because I was only 16 and a half. I wasn't even 16 and a half. But anyway, I take the papers home for him to sign, he sat there, sat me down there, had sat down there, and everything, brown paper, filling all these things in. Not asking me questions, which was stupid, I should have remembered that. Filling this out, and he takes it all, puts it in the envelope. He said, okay, come on. And it was a Friday night. We walked up to the post office, and put the envelope in, post box, and there am I. What have I done? 21 years old, my God, I've got, anyway. I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I'm waiting. And then I'm going down the street going to work. And this woman comes out screaming, What are you doing here? What are you doing? My son, we presume, missing, right? Oh. So she, well, being the person that I am, I turn around and say, Okay, that's it. I went down to the recruitment office. No, no, pardon me, I did. I asked my dad, uh, Why wasn't I getting any, why wasn't I getting called up? 
He turned and I said, I taught you a lesson. I said, what was that? Well, there was a, had a thing called Liverpool football pools, all right? And every so often they'd have these things and they'd send them in. He filled out the football pool, sent it in the brown envelope, right? Making me think it was my... Oh, your recruitment My, my recruitment board. <laughs> and here I am, he said, I want to teach you a lesson. That was on a Friday night again, on a Wednesday. I was in the, I was in the Navy. You were in the Navy? I, the I, I joined, I went down and volunteered, and I volunteered for a radio operator. Okay. Oh, brilliant. Oh, that was great. Oh, yes, we, we, we've got them. Went through all the, all the stuff to get in. <coughs> and they gave you 50, they gave you 50, pen, uh, 50 pence, all right? Mm -hmm. The minute you accept that, you take your cream's crown, you're, you're, you're in the Navy. That's right. it. I was a steward. Wait a minute, I want to... You'll take this until one comes up. And that's how it would happen. So I did, I ended up in... Uh, oh boy, I, I was a captain and steward. I had a beautiful, what they call a cushy job. Okay. And uh, dry land, mm -hmm. this one, HMS Neverbudge we called it. Mm -hmm. And I looked after a captain, his wife, and his daughter, who was a lieutenant. Mm -hmm. My job was feeding them, catering to them, looking after them, basically as a manservant, whatever. And my job on a Sunday morning was to take their dog out for a walk. Take their dog out for a walk? Walk in the back garden. Oh my goodness. All right, and a big fence there, and I'm uh, a bush of bushes, I should say. I'm taking this little dog, and I'm looking through the bushes, and there they are on a Sunday parade. They're all taking what they call divisions, they're all getting sorted out to go to church, and there they are lined up, and here I am taking a stupid <laughs> I, I, oh, that was, and then, for some reason or other, I decided I wanted to go to sea, so I volunteered. I volunteered, if I could go to sea, on the uh, London. Excuse me, Oh, here, I, I, I'll get you your walker. Do this. Are you, are you going to the bathroom down? Yeah. Okay, good. Oh, yeah. Now you see why I say about the chair. You, I'll help that's you what. Out. Okay. Okay. Thank you. You're very strong. No, no, no problem. I'll go this way. Okay, one. Yeah, so I would be very heroic. And I wanted to go into London. Mm -hmm. Could have been going up the Yangtze. We was going up the Yangtze, so I said I'd go. I would go uh, as long as I could. You know, dictate the Navy. Believe me. Yeah. I would like to go in the Yangtze. I'd go in the London, and I'd sign on for five years. Mm -hmm. About three, four days later, I was sent to Scotland, Versailles, to pick up a ship. <laughs> to go out to Iceland. Oh my gosh! Okay. And to join the Catherine, and it so happened the Catherine was a convert. It was a, it was actually a Canadian minesweeper, <coughs> mm -hmm. but everything had an ice cream parlor, the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Of course, that was all scrap. For sure. Okay, I'm sorry about that. No, no, no. no but anyway, um, we we were stationed in a place called there's three of them: Valfjord, Nordfjord, and Sagesfjord, mm -hmm. and. The thing about Iceland was the fact that they were pro-German. They were pro-German. Oh, okay, I didn't know that. They were pro-German, and this Sagesfjord was, if you can visualize it, uh, you can see the mountain range with a little snow on the top, and then there's only one street. It was a dirt street. Mm -hmm. Stores on both sides. At one end of the street was a Shell Mex mm -hmm. oil refinery. At the other end was a a department store that would put Walmart to shame. Really? Honestly. Oh, wow. Okay. Unbelievable. Well, the money is all roars and the boys. That's, that, 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 <coughs> the, that's the kind of money they got. Mm -hmm. Well, we were only allowed on four hours shore leave. Mm -hmm. I, did, I had sea legs, but I did not have land legs. Right. And that's where the sales roll comes in. The ground wouldn't move. Mm -hmm. I was sick of the dog. But anyway, that's how I handled that part. 
We got it. So the three of us went to what we knew and thought was the center of the town, was all one road. So we went to the barbers, we mm-hmm. had to get a haircut, and we only get $13, 13 shillings and 50p every two weeks. Oh, wow. That was all we had. Yikes. And okay. what did it take? It took 400 crores to do my hair. Oh my gosh. And that was $13 and 13 shillings and 50 cents. But uh, all your paycheck for all a haircut. My paycheck. <laughs> yeah, you're right. But to me, how your memory is, it's a wonderful thing because it's big storage. But the thing that got me more than anything else was this one house mm-hmm. sitting on rocks that was jutting out. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, there's a stream coming down from the, from the mountain mm-hmm. into the ocean, and they've got a water mill. They've got Electricity, their own power source. Their own power. It was. I. I couldn't be. I kept looking out. Yeah. Because they didn't. They had. Didn't bother with a blackout. No. No. They didn't care. And that was that one highlight. The other highlight was we stayed. We changed. We exchanged four cartons, well, of ten, right? mm-hmm. of cigarettes. Okay. For cod. For cod. For cod. Oh wow. For cod. Wow. The cod. Work. Okay. At least that's amazing. It, that's you know, it, it, yeah. So when, and so now the, when you were saying the people in Iceland, they were more pro-German. Yeah. Uh, now, was there ever, was it ever difficult to work with them or did you work with them directly or no? Never worked with them directly. You, no. you did all we, all we had was a port, was a port. That was it. That okay. was it. Okay. Uh, the thing that, something else that would really impress you was that in every store, mm-hmm that you went into, they would speak in English, but as soon as you went in, they would speak in Iceland, they would, okay. Wow. And all, every store, without a doubt, had U.S. uniforms. Really? Honestly, for sale. Interesting. That's very oh, interesting. That's the, sneaky. That's, that's really, really interesting. Wow. Yeah. I didn't that, know that. I didn't know that. I knew. Yeah, they were, that's, that was almost. Now, I, I was going to ask you one thing. Um, when you, I was going to say, so I know that you've kind of uh, uh, t- touched upon some of, some of your favorite moments, but um, what were some of the great life lessons that you learned, either through work or through just uh, living your life? I think one of the most, I, let me go this way. When I met Margaret in England and we were talking and what we wanted to do, I know, you know, generally, I said that I wanted to become a salesperson and drive a company car. Okay? Mm-hmm. Then I had no clue. But some of the things I went for, I took choices on firefighting and all the rest of it, you know, the paper coat. Even Charles Atlas wrote. I was 140 skinny pounds then. When I came out of the Navy, I was 140 skinny pounds. But anyway, that that was a highlight because that is what I actually became. Uh, for 32 years, I never drove company cars. I never had owned a car for 32 years. Really? Right. Where, 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 uh, where did you work? When? I was a sales manager for, well, hang on. I'm starting beginning to do I worked for a company called Weldwood. That's mm-hmm. in U.S. Plywood. It's owned by U.S. Plywood. Mm-hmm. Head office was in Vancouver, mm-hmm. and I worked out of the shop. But again, I became an archi- what they call an architectural representative. Mm-hmm. So I would present all of Weldwood's products to architects and explain the benefit of it and everything else. But one of the things I was adamant about was that I had to go to every fa- every plant that manufactured our product to see exactly what the howdy was done. Ah. And so that if an architect said to me, you, you never go to an architect and say, I, I guess so, I think so, I'll check. You have to know. You have to turn around yes or no. Mm-hmm. All right. And it's a... Uh, you spent $10,000 at that time on training me, because I went all over 
draw. I went all over the plant. It's amazing. I'll never forget all the things. I could, I could keep write a book on what I, what I saw. But, but the architectural rep, unfortunately, when I got hired, uh, I, before that I was, in, I was always involved in wooden doors, making doors prior to that. Trans-Canada, and I did that for years, but I was taken, this boss of mine, Alan Young, was known to, he was gonna fire somebody, he would call them up and invite them to breakfast. Oh, okay. Okay, he called me up and invited me for breakfast. I said, mm -hmm. Alan, don't bother with the breakfast, just tell me I'm fired, no, and he burst out laughing. <laughs> oh, no, 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 he said, that's not what I want. I want to take you to meet with somebody in Toronto and regarding doors to see about... Well, I met with this gentleman and we discussed doors and I was asked the question, how many... That's that 1700 uh, chair, that sucker, right? So, uh, year 1700, but anyway, <laughs> he discussed making manufacturing doors. And I told him, I said, he said, well, how many doors do you think you can sell? And I said, well, this was in August. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, from now until Christmas, I would say about three quarters of a million. Three quarters of a million doors, I told them. Is that? When I told them about selling doors for Weldwood. Well, it was. Okay. It was a humongous number. Sure. And he said, no, you're full of it. <laughs> he did, basically. Yeah. And coming back to Hamilton, he asked me what I, how I would handle it, how would I set up an office, how would I do this, <clears throat> and all the rest of it. Mm -hmm. A week later, he phoned up and said, okay, go ahead. I said, well, excuse me? Right. He said, get your office, plan your office, get your help. Okay. Don't you believe I met? I met that amount? You met that quota? I met that quota. Wow, wow. wow. Yes, I did. So, so you did three quarters of a million doors, and, and what time frame was that again? That would be 19, what, Margaret, 1960s something, wouldn't it? In the 60s, is that right? What did you say it was in the 60s, Margaret? I don't know, John, I it would probably be in the 60s, mid 70s. And and it was that in one year you, you did you did all those doors. One year. Wow. Okay, that's impressive. Actually, I we did all the doors in the Royal York Hotel. I actually invented. A friend of mine and I invented a fire door. You invented uh, a fire door. Yeah, we got a label, but because we were working for this company, we couldn't get the, the patent for the it. Patent for it. Oh, yikes. Okay. Wow, that's and they're all they're all down in, in the Royal York. When I was raiding, wow! I saw fire doors, acoustical doors, went uh, it was all. And well, one day I had the opportunity. I was asked, "Did should we buy this company?" And I said, "Yes." I said, "Yes." And this again, bear in mind, said, you, this is Wellwood Canada, owned by U.S. Plywood. Mm -hmm. So you see where the influence is. Mm -hmm. The company was begging to be bought, made all the doors that I sold, mm -hmm. because we, we invented a, 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 a face of the door mm -hmm. that nobody else had. Mm -hmm. how, that's how come we sell the doors. They, my boss, and the architectural end of it, turned around and said no, because it didn't make a 25% profit. Oh. No vision. That was a Dormont uh, company. It was called Dormont Door. It was snapped up right away. Was it really, eh? Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. So would you say, was was it a, you know, to kind of put it in a different way, would you say that that, you know, in some ways that was kind of a lesson about, like, you know, sometimes you have to take risks in, in some oh, ways? Yes, I would always again. That, that, yeah. that, yes, you've got to take it. You've got to take a risk. Yeah. You have to, you can't just wait for it to come to you. You have to go after it. Right. If I was, like, if I was, we were talking about making a, uh, a plan for something, uh, we, we invented something and, and you presented it and you accepted it, but then nothing happened, 
I can't stand, I can't sit back and wait for stuff. I have to go after them. And you have to go after them. Because if you don't, nothing happens. Nothing right? happens. Okay. That's sound advice. No, that, that, that that's actually excellent advice. Mm -hmm. I'm just gonna ask one more thing. I want to ask you um, uh, one more question. Do you, is there anything, and you're allowed to say no, of course, but is there anything you enjoy about this time of life? In this time? <coughs> Sounds funny, but I wake up in the morning and I thank God for that I've got one more day. Um, I never thought I'd get to 90, quite frankly. <laughs> But anyway, uh, my love of my life over there is, that will always be what I'd be thankful for. Mm -hmm. uh, my kids, my kids, my baby, 77 years of age. But anyway, wow. Wow. my kids are wonderful. We're very fortunate in that respect because they all live in Hamilton. It's a very close family. So I, I, I can, I'm grateful and I'm also very fortunate to have the, the support. Um, there's a lot of things I'd love that didn't happen. I was taking care of Margaret. I wish that things would change, but we are going to live the way we have to. Mm -hmm. um, she's happy in her own little world. So we'll leave it at that. We'll leave her right there. She's happy. So I have to ride with that and I'm quite willing to do it because this diabetes has been thrown at us Yeah, and it's a, to add to other things and that thing now I'm good. But other than that, you know, I'm, the only thing I regret, I can't get out more. Okay. That has, I mean, that's, I have three hours a week to get out. So, I mean, it is curtailing, but no complaints, no regrets. After 67 years, I don't think that I need to have regrets. <laughs> so, I know I, I, I would like to get involved more. Um, on the, not the physical part, but on the talking part, or, you know, uh, arranging things and stuff like that. Um, Almost counseling. Yeah. I, I like maybe do some volunteering or, or you know, kind of share your expertise. With. Well, you sound like a really good planner. You sound like a great planner. Well, I think what I have, what, what I'd like to do, I would like I. We're working on the bond, which I'm, I'm trying to get the bond uh, take care of thing. Not mm -hmm. take care. It's um, on. <clears throat> where we can go post go. Yes. Okay. Yeah. But it's on the understanding that she'll not be left alone. I, I have to be with her. She can't. Of course. With her own choice. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, okay, fine. I can do help with counseling to a certain degree with um, anything and everything. I can. I'm a good listener. I think of the times I've sat in offices, I've sat for hours and hours and hours for nothing. No. <laughs> I've, had a, I've had some weird experiences. I mean, climbing up, climbing up a, stair, a steel ladder, twisting ladder like that, with plants and trees and everything else. And now I said to him, I got up there, where's the monkeys? Where's the <laughs> But uh, no, I, I've had an exciting life. I, I, I did 54, I drove 54,000 miles a year. Wow, that's a lot of ground. That's a lot of asphalt. Absolutely. Yeah, that's and I've traveled all Canada and all the states. I, I, I actually, one highlight, I guess, was other consumers, but Nichol, do you remember A.S. Nicholson, Nicholson's and Sons out of Burlington? They went, they went belly up a I, long I, time I, ago. I anyway. didn't know that. I, I, oh, David, I've never heard ago. of them. And what, what what did they do? They what? were no, They were they were um, like a store fixtures. They did all. They worked with Cam. They worked with Campbell Soup. Oh, okay, okay. okay. Well, they they approached my boss, Bob Long, mm -hmm. 
to see if they could, I, they could use, if they could borrow me of okay. his age, right, mm -hmm. for a day or two. Sure. Because they had a complaint from Campbell Soup mm -hmm. about the fire doors. Oh my gosh. Okay. So, Bob said yes, and I flew down with them, and it was a bell, a Liberty Bell, mm -hmm. whatever the heck that is, anyway. I never seen anything like it in my life because traffic-wise, that way and that way, it's, it's kind of stupid. And one guy got killed while we were there. Oh my goodness. So they took a detour all the way around. Unbelievable. And we finally got to Campbell's Soup, mm -hmm. and, it, and it was like walking in a huge stainless steel refrigerator. Huge, all stainless steel, floor, ceiling, the whole ceiling mud. Yeah, yeah. And we had all these big rigs there. Oh, we're going to go after these guys because they owed Nicholson's money. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, it ended up that their rep is their expert, and on my side, because I told them, I asked, did you seal the top and bottom? Well, the regulations on on, this, on on the when they buy the door. Yeah. Well, the regulations. And they haven't. And they haven't. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> game over. <laughs> game over. Uh, that's perfect. Yeah. Okay. So that that was a highlight. That is a okay. Yeah. I um I might uh, I'm gonna have to wind up. Okay. Uh, that's the, fine. Uh, this interview. It's been a pleasure, John. Thank it's you. A pleasure for me. Thank you for listening. I'd like to give special thanks to. Andrew Kolu for his technical support. Also credit to the opening song, which is titled The Hellraisers by Sid Dale from the musical compilation Soul Jazz Records Presents Inner City Beats. My next episode should be a month from now. So until then, remember, the past is here.